Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the young adult ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. What's up, Fusion? There we go. I see Marcus got you already. Man, it's so good to see you guys. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about what I feel like the Lord wants to talk about tonight. Uh, Last week, we closed out our Kingdom series. Yes. For all of October, we were talking about the Kingdom of God uh, way before Kanye's album dropped. But he dropped it right in time. You know, God was putting out a message worldwide that Jesus is King. And so as we were diving into that, we learned a lot of good things. We ended last week with a message called Seek, Find, Serve. And the concept was as we seek wisdom, we'll find purpose and then we'll serve the kingdom. It's the the idea that purpose is not something that we should be chasing after and purpose is not our God. God is our God and God gives us purpose. And as we seek wisdom, we'll find purpose. So we talked about this scripture last week, uh, Luke 2.52, where we talked about Jesus. And it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And this was after we looked at the story where Jesus was young, probably about 12 years old, in the temple asking questions, trying to learn. And we saw that Jesus, the, the, purpose, the person who had the most important purpose in all of history, started by seeking wisdom. And we're called to do the same. And as we seek wisdom, purpose is something that we will just continually encounter. I want to pray tonight and then dive into the next part of that message. God, we just thank you for being here. Lord, I thank you for this message that you've put on my heart. I ask that you would just decrease me and that you would increase in me. Lord, that you would speak to your people, that you would speak to their individual situations, that you would open their hearts, Lord, and that they would lean in as you're leaning into them. Lord, and that as we draw near to you, you would draw near to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the the reason that I wanted to jump back into this particular scripture is because last week when I was done, the second half of the scripture just started sticking out to me. So Luke 2.52 says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, that means maturity, and in favor with God and man. And that is something that we could easily look over, but it is a huge, huge piece of our lives and, and is a huge part of our walks with Jesus. Favor. Now, the reason that favor is so important is because as we're seeking purpose, we need the favor of God in order to accomplish the purpose. But more than that, our ultimate purpose is to be in relationship with God. And favor is the result of a healthy relationship. Just like any human relationship, you are more favorably disposed to somebody you're close with. 
As that person does kind gestures to you, you do kind gestures to that person. It's the nature of how we operate. It's the result of intimacy. And we're seeing here that Jesus, as he was growing in wisdom and as he was growing in maturity, he was also growing in favor. Now, I personally, this really resonated with me because I've always been somebody who is interested in doing something significant. Does anybody feel that way? That you wanna do something significant in life? Just a few of you guys? Nobody wants to do anything significant? Yeah. If you wanna do something significant, this is very, very important for you because what we can find ourselves doing is just striving along our road to significance and our journey to significance. And that's not what God has for us. And this is something that I've learned as somebody who found myself as I was not walking with God, competing a lot. And now I don't know if any of you guys are competitive. See, you, you, you guys don't wanna be real tonight. But a lot of you guys are competitive. A lot of us are competitive by nature. And this is not just with games or sports. The reality is we compete with people in life. We live our lives comparing ourselves to others and that's where we seek to find contentment. And so it's like, all right, am I doing better than this person? Am I higher on the ladder than this person? Am I more successful than these people? If so, all right, I'm cool. We compete and we live our lives trying to be cool. I don't know if any, see, I know it's not cool to admit you want to be cool. <laughs> I get it. But the reality is if you are real with yourself, you probably spend more time competing and trying to be cool than you'll admit. And I think this is one of the, the biggest enemies that we face as we're trying to seek God because you're not always gonna be higher on the status ladder than other people when you're walking with God. You're not always gonna be the coolest in comparison to the rest of the world when you're walking with God according to their standards. I personally don't think there's anything cooler than following Jesus. I don't think there's anybody cooler than Jesus. I mean that wholeheartedly, but according to the standards of the world, whatever worldview you adopt, according to the rest of the world, following Jesus really goes against everything that's cool. However, in your efforts to be cool, you will find yourself striving. You will find yourself running into closed doors. You will find yourself running into opposition and resistance. Has anybody experienced that on this road to success, you can just experience this resistance? It feels like you're just pushing, pushing, and you're trying to move a brick wall. Has anybody experienced that? I know I have. Before really following Jesus, I was trying to pursue my own dreams, my own purposes, trying to be cool. Maybe you guys, like I said, maybe you guys haven't tried to be cool. I'm gonna just tell my story, right? But a lot of times, the reason that we wanna be successful is because it's cool. It looks dope. 
And we may not admit that, like I said, but that is a lot of the driving force behind a lot of the things that we do. And I would find myself striving for success, but it seemed like even when I would reach certain levels of it, there was just this like resistance and really something that I ignored on the inside of me. Like this, this nagging feeling that would come up sometimes, like, you know, this is, probably isn't what you need to be doing. I'd be like, ah, <laughs> ah. But the reality is there's a purpose for your life. There's a reason that you were created. And the God who created you is the one who has that purpose in his hands. And when you try to find purpose, when you try to find significance, when you try to find success outside of him, you will meet resistance. However, when you are walking with him, you experience something called the favor of God. Now, mind you, Jesus, it says that he grew in wisdom, in maturity, and in favor with God and man. So a lot of times, the people that you're trying to impress, you would have more influence in their lives if you were just growing in wisdom, in maturity, and in your relationship with God. Because God has a purpose for you. God has leadership for you. We're all called to lead in some, type, in some capacity. But a lot of us are just in the wrong lanes. Why? Because we're trying to be cool. And instead of following God, we say, all right, the reality is, if I submit everything to God, I might not be cool. It might not look as cool as I want it to look. And I don't know if I'm willing to sacrifice that. And that's what's going on on the inside of a lot of us. I know that's what was going on on the inside of me. Until God just brought me, allowed me, I'll say allowed me to go on a path where I just got to see everything that I was striving for, the people that I was trying to be like, I would see their lives get up close and be like, I don't want that. <laughs> everything that you're trying to accomplish outside of God, there's no peace waiting on you there. True prosperity is not waiting on you there. Happiness, joy is not waiting on you there. And too many people spend their entire lives to find that out. But when we look at the scriptures, we see this has been the case for thousands of years. And if we would take the approach that Jesus took, we would experience the favor of God. The title of tonight's message is Growing in Favor. How many of you guys have heard of favor? You probably heard favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair. Got a new job. Favor ain't fair. Got a promotion. Favor ain't fair. That's a lot of times what we hear, and that's the, the amount that we hear about it. That's pretty much the breadth of what we hear about it. The favor of God is so much more than that. Actually, in the scriptures, the same word for favor is used for grace. It's the same word. Grace and favor are used interchangeably. And so it just means, actually the literal translation is like God leaning towards you, reaching out to you, and disposed to being kind to you and to bless you. We experience this ultimately 
in God sending his son. There's no greater act of kindness, of reaching out to us, of wanting to bless us than paying the price for our sins so that we could have a relationship with him. There's no greater display of favor than that. However, there are levels of favor that you can experience. And so if you just settle for the, all right, I appreciate the grace for my salvation, that's enough, and I'm gonna go do my own thing with my life, you're missing out because this is something you should be growing in. Jesus was growing in favor. And as God's children, Jesus is the ultimate model for us as God's children. And so we're supposed to do the same. We're supposed to be growing in favor. Maybe you don't feel like God favors you. I'm telling you, favor is available for you. Maybe you feel like you're disqualified. You're not. Jesus qualifies you. Maybe you think you have God's favor and what you're thinking is a blessing from God is not. And you'll learn how to distinguish that tonight. Last, you might be already walking in God's favor, doing fantastic, and you're gonna learn how to continue to grow in that, amen? Okay, so again, God is freely extending himself to us. He is inclined to bless us, reaching out to us, but the level to which we experience that blessing is up to us. I wanna talk about what helps us grow in his favor. Three characteristics that draw God's favor to us. One, God favors righteousness. This is, inept, this is undoubtable. I don't know why I'm tongue-tied tonight. There is no doubt that this is true. God favors righteousness. One of the primary steps to righteousness is trusting God. A lot of times we think that righteousness is something way deeper than it is. Actually, God has set the bar really low for us to step into righteousness. In fact, when we look at the life of Abraham, in Genesis 15, 6, it says, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Like, okay, somebody who actually believes me. Righteousness. And then the entire blessing that God was bringing to all of humanity was funneled through one man because he actually believed God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. God likes when we trust him. God responds to trust. One of, the, one of the things that I find that I'm most confident in is just the fact that I trust God, and I know that God is going to respond to that trust because he's not going to break that trust. And so I walk around confident in my trust of God, which is very different than the old days when I was trying to do everything myself. And so I was trying to create success for myself. And I was trying to compete for myself. I was trying to provide for myself. Now, trusting in God, I've learned God responds very kindly to that. He wants relationship with us. 
And the first step to us being righteous in his eyes is just trusting him. This is seen all throughout scripture. Actually, all throughout the New Testament, you see references to Abraham believing God and God crediting it to him as righteousness. How low is that bar? Think about it. When you trust God to do what he says he'll do, when you trust God to take care of you, he responds by doing it. And that pleases him. The thing is, a lot of us think that God is looking for talented people. And this is where we get off track. And we talked about last week uh, about purpose, how we can just make purpose our God and we just determine what our purpose is based on our talents instead of what God says. And so what we learn when we read scripture is that God wants people who trust him. He gives talent to just about everybody. Everybody. You have a talent with something. What's hard to find is somebody who trusts him. All throughout scripture, we see this. Another passage of scripture says that God's eyes roam throughout the earth, looking to strengthen those whose hearts are committed to him. Because it's rare. He's got to look through the whole earth to find somebody who believes him, somebody who trusts him. And when he finds that, he responds favorably. He's inclined to you. He reaches out to you. He wants to bless you. God responds to trust. You respond to trust. When somebody believes for you to do something, does it not put a little pressure on you to do it? Somebody's like, man, you always show up on time. Ah, oh, now I got to show up on time always. Is that not true? You always looking out, man. Ah, oh, I got to look out now. But seriously, when somebody believes in you, when somebody puts trust in you, it actually pulls you to respond in that way. The same with parents. Man, you, have, you can have two examples here. Any parents in the room? All right. If your children, if your children are like, man, you don't ever do anything for me. You're never looking out for me. When are you going to do something for me? When are you going to look out for me? Does that normally cause you to respond with favor and blessing? Really? Okay, now respond with that. You're saying it causes you to respond, but with something else. I get it. But that doesn't cause you to respond favorably. That annoys you, actually, because they're ignoring all of your track record. Of everything that you've done thus far, the fact that they're alive, breathing, eating, have a home, they pay no bills, they don't even know what a bill looks like. However, if they're like, man, mom, or dad, I just trust you. You always take care of me. You always look out for me. Man, I know, I know you're going to protect me. I know you're going to take care of me. 
I know you have my back. Isn't that going to cause you to respond differently? And I think even us as if we're not parents, I'm not a parent yet. However, hey, 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 hey. All right, don't get me off track. However, I think it's just reasonable. Anybody can understand it. Anybody can understand that. That's just reasonable. People are going to respond different to how you are treating them, speaking to them, engaging with them. How do you engage with God? Do you engage with him with trust? Because that's what he responds to. If you engage with him with doubt, he doesn't respond to that. He says, when you ask, believe that you're going to get what you ask for. But it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We want to please God. And it's not just your talent that pleases God. Your trust is much more glorifying to God than your talent will ever be. And so maybe you feel like you're not the most talented, not the most gifted person in the world. Well, most of the people throughout scripture were not, but they trusted God and God can use that rather than a talented person who doesn't believe anything he says. And if you trust God, the rest of the aspects of righteousness will flow from that. Somebody you trust, you commit to. And when you're committed, you're following them. It's very simple. Um, also, another aspect of righteousness, Proverbs 3.32 says, For the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is with the upright. Now, I know that sounds a little harsh, that somebody can be an abomination to the Lord. What that word perverse means is people who are turning away. The literal translation is somebody who's departing, somebody who's turning away from the God who created them. That's an abomination to the Lord. An abomination means it disgusts him. However, the contrast of that is his secret counsel is with the upright. You know what that means? It means that when you're walking upright before God, when you're seeking to please him, he wants to confide in you. Look at that contrast. We can get so hung up on the first part. An abomination, oh my gosh. There are people who you don't like. Right? We're called to love everybody. You don't like everybody. Especially somebody who's continually disrespecting you. And so what God is saying is disrespect, dishonor, disregard, lack of reverence disgusts him. However, when we draw close to God... He wants to confide in us. He wants to share things with us. He wants to speak to us. This is not, I hope you guys, if you guys have been coming for any period of time, I hope at this point you've gotten point, past the point of thinking that this is just a religion, just a book. This is a living God who wants to speak, who wants to move in your life. This is not a, oh, walk upright before the Lord and you'll meet him when you go to heaven. Because then he would never have to prove anything. He would never have to respond in real time. It's just like, okay, I guess I'll find out what's going on when I die. That's what a lot of religions are. 
God says that he will respond and he will actually confide in you. It says his secret counsel is with the upright. I wanna look at an example of someone who received the secret counsel of God and had the favor of God. In Genesis 6, eight through nine, we look at Noah at a time when God was disgusted with humanity, reality. It says that all of humanity was turning away from God and their sinfulness had just gotten to the point where God was done with it. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Does anybody know the secret counsel that God shared with Noah? I'm about to flood the earth and everybody's gonna die except for you and your family. Would anybody have liked that tip? (laughs) But what we see in scripture is it's not that God was just being picky. There was nobody to say it to except for Noah because nobody else had a relationship with him. Nobody else was seeking him. God is favorably disposed to everybody he's created. Who is favorably disposed to God? Let me ask you this question. Do you like God? Good. But that's a question that we have to ask ourselves. Because a lot of times we can have all these expectations of God. Well, God doesn't like me. Do you like God? Do you live like it? What I've learned is, man, when I'm walking right with the Lord, his favor is everywhere. His kindness is pouring out. His grace is pouring out. Even when I'm not, the fact that you're still alive, the fact that you made it here safely, the fact that I mean, there are so many things. I'm not going to go through all the reasons that you're blessed today, but you know the kindness of God is all around you. But a lot of times we will take the 2% of wrong we see in the world, in other people's lives, or in our own, assassinate God's character, and then tell him to respond to it. challenging his goodness. Again, going back to that analogy of the parent, what what would you respond to? God says all throughout his word, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You won't seek me and find me by challenging me, by accusing me, and just by doing your own thing. But you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. God wants to pour out his favor and his kindness to everyone. And everybody has the opportunity to draw close to him. Now, what I wanna make sure that we do is we don't confuse righteousness with perfection. Righteousness is not perfection. So it's not that you have to be perfect to please God. In fact, Scripture tells us in Proverbs 24, 16, though the righteous fall 
seven times they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. So even the righteous person falls seven times. Now, you don't have to go counting in your life. But the reality is, righteousness is not about perfection. Nobody in existence, aside from Jesus Christ, has ever been perfect. But we see example after example in Scripture of people who God called righteous. Abram, who was from a family of idol worshipers, who did a lot of lying, deception, all types of stuff. When God spoke to him, when God reached out to him and said, Abram, I want relationship with you and I want to bless you. It says that Abram just believed him. This is before he was called Abraham. It says Abraham, Abram believed him and God was like, that's righteousness. So many of you, if you would just believe what God says, you would be amazed at the results in your life. However, unbelief, there will be no results in your life. We see a story where Jesus is in his hometown and he's amazed at the unbelief. And it says that he couldn't do any miracles there. What's the atmosphere and environment in your life? Is it one of trust and belief? If so, that's a huge step of righteousness and God favors righteousness. Amen? Second, God favors faithfulness. Letting you guys write it down. <laughs> God favors righteousness and God favors faithfulness. To be faithful is to be truthful, reliable, and responsible. You'll see the favor of God in your life when you're having these characteristics and when you're living this way. God hates lying. Jesus says he is the truth. Could you imagine why he doesn't like lies? It's in direct opposition to who he is. But when we're truthful, we honor God. Now, one of the things that I've noticed about striving and trying to make your way in life and carve out a path, so many times it's going to lead you to a crossroad that, that is going to lead you to some type of deception. It's such a temptation to make advances out here, to little deceptions, little lies that we can just excuse in our mind, but God sees it. And you will see a lack of favor in your life when you live in a way that's untruthful. However, when you're truthful, even though it costs you, you will see the favor of God in your life. Amen. To be faithful is to be truthful, 
reliable. One of the things we love most about God is how reliable he is. Like that is probably number one on my list of when I think about God. People, not so much. But God, God is reliable. God is faithful. So if God is reliable and we are made in the image of God, could you imagine why God would want us to be reliable? And he pours out his favor when we work to do that because reliability costs us. Reliability is not always convenient. To be reliable means somebody else is relying on you. Are you somebody people can rely on? If so, you'll see the favor of God in your life. If you're not, it's hard for God to bless that. Are you reliable to God? Now that's something that I don't think we think about a lot. I think we think about God being reliable to us. Are you reliable when you say, and the reality is none of us are perfect in this area, but what I've learned is as, as I endeavor to be reliable before God, I see his favor in my life. But when I go about doing my own thing in my own way and I'm flaky and wavering, that's displeasing to God. And I'll feel that resistance from him. God says he resists and opposes the proud. And a lot of times, our lack of reliability is pride and selfishness. It's inconvenient for us. This situation or this person might not be that important to us. Have you realized that depending on who the person is, what their status is, it can change how you respond to them, how you treat them, maybe whether you show up to the meeting on time or not. Whether you pick up the phone, whether you answer the text, respond to the email, oh, this person can't do anything for me. I'll get to them. God doesn't honor that. But when we are honoring to the people around us, regardless of their position and their ability to contribute to our success, you'll find the favor of God in your life. When you focus on serving people instead of being served, you'll find the favor of God in your life. To be faithful is also to be responsible. Who's more responsible than God? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. God is the most responsible person ever. God's responsible. You know how this affects us? When we're irresponsible, God doesn't give us stuff because it would be irresponsible of him to give things of value to somebody who's irresponsible. 
You can clap even though it hurts. You know how this is, this is beneficial though? And you know a way that we can approach this is we can ask God, grow me in this area. Mature me in this area. I've been doing that lately. God, as you take me to new levels, don't take me to a level I'm not responsible enough to handle. That's a mature statement, much more mature than previous times in my life. But even when it comes to finances, God, slowly increase me, slowly. As I move in wisdom, don't increase me past the level of my wisdom and my ability to steward things. Why? Because I'm not just living for random pleasures. I want to be effective. I want to be purposeful. I want to be significant. And if I move to a level that I can't handle responsibly, it underserves. And so if God increases my finances to a level that I can't responsibly handle, it won't be effective. It'll just make me feel good that I have a lot of money. But if I can't responsibly steward it, it's not effective for the kingdom. And if we are called to serve his kingdom, and if we're called to store up eternal treasures, if all of this is going to burn up, once we start moving with that perspective, we'll think differently. All right, if all the money that God gives me here is going to burn up and disappear, then it's got to be deeper than that. I can't live my life just trying to get this because it's going to go anyway. And I can't take it with me to the grave. What I can take is what I've done for him because that's what lasts. So give me wisdom to use what you're giving me in a way that's going to affect my eternity. And until I get there, don't give me anything. God shows favor when we have that perspective. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine 29 says, do you see any truly competent workers? They will serve kings rather than working for ordinary people. Responsibility, diligence, God blesses that. A lot of the influence that we're striving for, if we would focus on being faithful, that's a result of it says, if you see somebody truly competent in what they do, they're going to be in the presence of kings, influencers. So many of us are just trying to finesse our way there. It's true. I've been there. You're trying to make the right connections. And you meet this resistance because you're missing the faithfulness that would make you effective there. You can't even navigate the conversations you need to if you get in the presence of certain people because you haven't started by seeking wisdom. But if you would start there with humility and work on being righteous, work on being faithful, you will see the favor of God. And one of those things, it says that Jesus grew in favor with God and man. That's one of the results of this. Last point on this one is God favors reverence. When we revere God, when we honor God, but when we are irreverent, it's disrespectful. You will not see the favor of God on your life. 
But when you, come, when you come to church and you honor the fact that God is here, instead of, uh, I'm here, I came, or I'm not feeling it today. I've learned that when I operate with a reverence for God, now let's, let's move outside of church, outside of church, just random times. There are opportunities for you to reverence God in so many ways. When you're on your job, how you treat the people around you, how you operate, if you're operating in integrity, that's out of reverence for God. Reverence for God drives me to operate with integrity because regardless of what you see, whether you see what I'm doing, I know God does. So I'm not here trying to impress you. I'm not here trying to please you. I'm here trying to please God. Because your perspective doesn't affect my eternity, but his does. And your perspective doesn't affect whether I'm really purposeful in life, but his does. And I want God to look favorably upon me and to be pleased because he's the one who's given me this life. And I've noticed when I reverence him, he responds to that with favor. Jesus experienced the same thing. Hebrews 5, 7 through 8 says, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. That's a whole message right there. But reverence is a deep respect for someone or something. Even Jesus, the son of God, God himself, while he was on earth, had his prayers answered because of his reverence. So you'll start seeing in all these areas, this really doesn't have anything to do with competing with people, with trying to be cool. What you'll learn is as you're pursuing God, as you're seeking wisdom, as you're seeking to please him by being righteous, as you're seeking to please him by being faithful and responding to his faithfulness with your own faithfulness, and as you reverence God, you will experience his favor. Before we close, I wanna talk about two myths that we have to unlearn about favor. And I think this is really, really important. Number one, we see it in the previous scripture. It says that Jesus learned obedience from the things he suffered. And so number one myth to unlearn about favor is struggle is not always a lack of God's favor. Yeah. Everybody who's struggling, you can say amen. amen. Favor, <laughs> favor doesn't give you a pass from the wilderness. It carries you through it. So Jesus himself had to go through a wilderness experience where he was tested, where he was tempted, where he had the opportunity to forfeit his purpose. And everybody has to go through it. It started with when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. He brought them through the wilderness. Forty years they stayed out there before they entered the promised land. Jesus himself is baptized and then is led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness for 40 days. This was a picture of Jesus doing it the right way. 
because the Israelites wandered around the desert because they were doubting God. An 11-day trip took them 40 years. That's a whole message right there. Jesus did it the right way, but he still had to do it. Nobody is exempt from the testing. Nobody is exempt from the process. But the wilderness experience is designed to empower you, not embarrass you. Somebody needed that today. Somebody's like, I'm broke. Right, I feel you. I'm struggling. And because we can be so focused on competing and trying to be cool, that our wilderness experience, we're so focused on how it looks to the world that we're not focused on what God is trying to do in the midst of it. Everybody has to go through a wilderness experience, whether you pursue righteousness, faithfulness, and obedience and reverence with God determines whether you have the favor of God carrying you through it. Second myth, success and opportunity are not always a sign of God's favor. So while struggle is not always a sign of a lack of favor, success and opportunity are not always a sign of God's favor. Not every opportunity, not every bit of success you have is the blessing of God. While Jesus was in the wilderness, Satan offered him all the kingdoms of the earth in exchange for his compromise. He said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all this because it's been entrusted to me for a period of time. So that means the devil can make you successful? That's what the Bible says. It says for a period of time, Satan has the power to give wealth, to give notoriety, influence to whoever he wants. But it's always in exchange for compromise. No opportunity that requires you to compromise is from God. To compromise your righteousness, to compromise your holiness, it's not from God. This is one of the most difficult things for us to navigate. And it's where most of us fall off. It's why a lot of people don't make it. I want to close with a story about this just in my own life. I've navigated that experience so many times where I've had to say no to certain opportunities. Just maybe seven or eight months before I was offered this position, I had two, two offers to start my own business, fully funded, seemed like the perfect opportunities. Two, most people don't ever have this happen to them. Two opportunities where I was feeling like God is calling me to business, God is calling me to leadership, and I always felt called to ministry. I didn't think that I would work for a church though. I expected to be running my own businesses and doing ministry just out of the kindness of my heart. For real, that's what I felt like my skill set was in being an entrepreneur. So had I not been sensitive to what God is saying and submitted to him out of reverence, I could have gone down the wrong path. 
First one, I was working at a gym. Uh, two of the guys at the gym, they owned all this commercial real estate. And they were like, look, we want to open up a gym. We don't know how to run a gym. We want you to run it. And we went over numbers. We went over everything. I mapped out every inch of it, the equipment I would put in there, the flooring, the mirrors, everything, every number. And at the end of the day, I didn't feel right about it. Felt like God was like, this isn't it. And this was at a time that I was broke, dating my current wife, but didn't have the money for a ring. and get offered this opportunity rent-free for the first six months. I mean, it was just like no-brainer with this situation. And I just felt like God was like, this isn't it, but this is an opportunity for you to make an important decision and show me what you're really about. So after a while, I'm like, turn down the clout, first of all, owning your own business feels good, especially coming from going from employee to employer. That can feed your ego. Definitely can work if you have the right business plan financially. So I'm like, all right, I, I feel like God is saying no to this. After that comes opportunity number two where somebody I had worked for in the past had a conversation about the opportunity I had just turned down. And this is a really successful person. He's been kind of like a business mentor in my life. And he said, you know what? I'm actually starting this chain of businesses. I'd like for you to open one, map it out. It was really three opportunities now that I think of it map it out. I mapped it out. was like, oh, this could work. Everything, everything was lining up. And I'm just like, but I don't feel God's peace on this. I don't feel like God is saying to do it. No. Number three, he comes back and says, okay, look, man, I actually, I believe in you. Find something, find a business to start. We'll sit down, we'll crunch the numbers, and if the numbers make sense, I got you. I'm investing. I'm broke at the time. So what do I do? I start vetting it out, looking at opportunities. I could open this, I could open that, I could open this, I could open that. Everything on the table. Still felt like God's like, this isn't it. Now, I don't know about you, but this was really difficult for me. To be in a real wilderness experience, feeling like I didn't have what I needed, didn't have what I wanted, felt like so much was inside of me that I wasn't able to get out. Opportunities are coming that seem perfect on the surface and then still having to say no. And what I, what I learned through that experience was what you are willing to say no to for God often affects what God will say yes to for you. 
Because as many of you guys know, this position right here, this wasn't something I applied for. This wasn't something I was qualified for. A lot of people are like, yo, how long were you preaching before you got up here? I preached like three or four times ever before taking this over. It was just the favor of God. I didn't know the pastors, but I was serving. But I wasn't just serving people, I was serving God. And these things that I'm talking about, righteousness, faithfulness, reverence, I've seen the results in my own life. For me to be here in this position where I am fulfilled and God is continually opening doors. A lot of people have seen the things that have taken place in my life, how my wife and I got blessed with a completely free wedding, honeymoon in Hawaii, all these different things. And they think it's just like luck or, oh, God just, God just likes that guy. I would agree, but it's not because I'm particularly special, but these things are for everybody. God is not a respecter of persons, everyone has the potential to experience the grace of God, the favor of God, the kindness of God. It's available for you. And when you make inward decisions in favor of God, he will eventually make outward displays of favor for you. Leave that up there for a second, because that needs to sink in. So much of this has to do with inward decisions. This isn't about outward displays. I'm not here walking in purpose, experiencing the favor and the kindness of God constantly because of things that I've been doing and showing and because of my resume. It's because of the inward decisions that nobody sees. The decisions to do what's right when it costs. And I'm not perfect, but remember, we don't have to be. What I will say is I trust God. And when I don't, when I'm feeling like I don't, I pray, God, help me to trust you. So this is not me giving myself as this example of a perfect person. This is me telling you I am imperfect and there's an invitation for everybody. Maybe you came in here not knowing God at all. Maybe you've been living life experiencing that resistance, even in your successes, this feeling underneath of this isn't everything, knowing that you're making compromises, knowing that everything isn't aligned, knowing that there's more for you. There's an invitation for you tonight that's available to everybody. The, the biggest display of God's kindness and grace happened by him sending his son so that we could even have access to relationship with him. Jesus Christ came to earth, lived a perfect life, and died a bloody death on a cross to pay the price for your sins, my sins. You have the opportunity to step into relationship with him right now. You don't have to continue trying to provide for yourself, trying to do life your own way, trying to create your own purpose, trying to figure out who you are. You can hear directly from the source. If that's you, if you're saying, I want relationship with Jesus right now, today, I'm not waiting any longer. 
I want you to pray this prayer with me and I want everybody, every believer across the room to pray this prayer. Jesus, I hear you and I believe you. I thank you that you want relationship with me, that you died for my sins. And I believe you have the power to forgive me, to save me, and to give me eternal life. I turn away from my old life, from my old thinking, from my old way of doing things. And I'm going to follow you forever. You're now the leader of my life, my savior, and I will be in relationship with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate everybody who made that decision? Now, some of you guys know how this works, but something that we believe really, really strongly here is anytime we're making that decision, there are a few things that are happening. One, it makes the devil really upset. And what he wants to do is change that decision for you, steal that away. Second, Jesus says that a decision for him is a public decision. And the way those things go together is a lot of times it's the, the eyes that are on us that will cause us to turn away, that competing, that trying to be cool is so many times what steals our affection from Jesus. But I believe if you can make a decision publicly in front of people who believe in Jesus, it'll start encouraging you to make a public decision in front of people who don't. And so if you made that decision, I want you to know that nobody is happier about that than Jesus and second to him, it's us. Right? And so if you made a decision to follow Jesus tonight, I'm gonna count to three. And on three, we're gonna go crazy. We're gonna clap, we're gonna cheer, we're gonna applaud. Why? Because that's what heaven is doing. And you're gonna stand up and let that decision sink in. And you're gonna acknowledge God before man. He says that if you'll acknowledge me before man, I'll acknowledge you in front of my Father in heaven. One, two, Three, clap it up. You have the opportunity. I see you. I see you. I see you, and so does Jesus. Go ahead. We're not done. Clap it up, I see you. I see you, we're not done. I see you, I see you. Thank you, Jesus. We're still celebrating. This is your time. This is your moment. All of heaven is celebrating you. I see you. I see you. Can you guys tell we're happy about this?
when you've experienced the kindness of God, you want nothing more than for others to experience the same. This is a lifelong decision. This is a journey. We're proud of you and we wanna come alongside you. We have an opportunity for everybody who just made that decision. If you'll just go to that corner door, we wanna connect with you and give you some next steps for what happens next. Now don't let embarrassment or laziness sink in now because this is important. This is why we don't want you to just sit down and leave out of here because there's more. This was the step. This is step number one. Step number two is actually getting connected. We're not gonna rope you in or do anything weird. We just wanna come alongside you, give you some information, pray with you if you need it, and then send you on your way. And you'll have some people to actually connect with because you can't do this alone, amen? All right, so if you guys will clap one more time, everybody who just made that decision, if you'll just go through those doors. Giving you guys the opportunity, yep, you guys can walk out. All right, last, if we'll have everybody stand. I just wanna pray a blessing over you guys. With every head bowed, Jesus, I thank you for what you've done here tonight. Lord, I thank you that your favor is available for every person here. Lord, that your kindness is available for us, your grace is available for us. Lord, help us to walk with you after this, Lord, for this not to just be a message we heard that sounded good, but help us to experience this daily. Let this take root in our hearts, Lord. Let every person here leave here walking in righteousness, in faithfulness, in reverence for you, being wise about the opportunities that come across the table and have hearts that are fully devoted to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, Fusion, it was great to have you guys here tonight. If it was your first time here, we actually still have the VIP section available for you right outside. Please meet somebody and connect with somebody. Don't come here for the first time and not meet anybody. Also, if you wanna join a small group, we have the Welcome Center right outside. Other than that, you're sent. We'll see you next week. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.